Welcome to House Calls, where we talk to investment bankers from Kane Brothers, a division of KeyBank Capital Markets Incorporated. I'm your host, Dave Johnson, the CEO of Foresight Health and the author of The Customer Revolution in Healthcare, Delivering Kinder, Smarter, Affordable Care for All. I co-author a monthly thought leadership article with a rotating cast of senior bankers from Kane Brothers. In each piece, we do a deep dive on a fascinating sector of the dynamic healthcare industry. Today, we're continuing our road trip with our series of articles called All Roads Lead to Value. In our first piece, we looked at how health systems are building out their service platforms to manage population health and risk-based contracts. In the article, we've focused on the companies that are enabling risk-taking, especially for physician groups offering primary care. My co-author, Mike Elizondo, is a Kane Brothers director focused on payers, payer services, and risk-bearing organizations. He's the perfect individual to dive into this meaty topic. Welcome to House Calls, Mike, where the bankers are always in. Hi, Dave. Good to connect again. All right. Let's get to it. So first, let's start by talking about the challenges physician groups confront in trying to remain independent and relevant in a disruptive healthcare market environment. Give us an overview. Yeah, Dave. You know, as I think about physicians, I first think about what's been happening around them, right? And what has been happening around them are payers have been consolidating, health systems have been consolidating, and health systems and payers have been acquiring physician groups. When I got into healthcare first, I always thought of this sandbox. Every market has a sandbox, and there's three players in that sandbox. There's a payer, there's a hospital system, and there's a physician. And generally speaking, what I've come to see is two of those entities or groups tend to work against the other in a market, right? They tend to leverage their position against the third, or if there's one really strong group, they leverage against the other two. So taking that back to what's happened in the M&A environment in healthcare services, broadly speaking, You've got hospitals getting bigger again, managed care entities getting bigger, more powerful, yet you will always have a core of physicians who want to remain independent, whether that is a pride reason, whether that is because they believe that they do not want to have the care that they want to deliver compromised by rules of an owner, there will always be an independent physician in my view. The problem is it's becoming incredibly difficult for these physicians to move in the direction that our healthcare economy is moving, and that is towards value. An independent physician operating in what has historically been a transaction-based reimbursement model is not really equipped from a technology standpoint, from a reporting standpoint, or otherwise to be able to manage populations in the way that they probably envisioned doing when they went to medical school. It's incredibly expensive to keep up with regulation, to keep up with technology. On top of that, you know, running a business, I think it's important to also recognize that it's not simply just a doctor. There's there's a business there, and typically that physician is CEO and CMO of that business. 
Well, so many things to touch on there, Mike. Now, you did mention the broad consolidation within the industry, payers getting bigger, health systems getting bigger. And of course, because of the nature of healthcare, getting bigger doesn't always mean getting better, right? A lot of what drives these mergers is to get negotiating leverage to drive more favorable payment negotiations, either to payers or to providers. And doctors, independent groups are often on the outside looking in, as you're saying, and probably frustrated by a system that pays them for activity, but not necessarily for making their populations healthier. So we know that the ultimate solution is to align payers and providers together, including physicians, to deliver the best outcome on a risk-adjusted basis. Unfortunately, the way we pay now, we pay for activity. We don't pay for outcomes. But as you were noting, the country is starting to shift the way it pays for healthcare. And as it shifts the way it pays for healthcare, that means the way we deliver healthcare will change and hopefully change in ways that deliver better outcomes, lower costs, engender better customer experiences. There have been a whole series of payment arrangements, shared savings, and so on kind of half measures that really haven't worked very well on this journey toward value. And now we're starting to shift it more precipitously into risk, real risk, not only upside gain, but also downside losses if it doesn't go well. As you think about true value-based care from a physician group's perspective, what do they need to be able to do that they may not be able to do today? And then how do they meet those needs and still remain independent? There's a reason why insurance companies have built large infrastructures to manage populations because it's incredibly difficult. Let's look at a commercial PPO product, right? If I'm a member and I can go to a dermatologist one day, my primary care physician the other day, and oh, by the way, I didn't like that primary care physician, so I'll go to another one another day, get the same tests from all three. There's just a tremendous amount of waste in that system. So what you need to be able to do is bring all those elements into one picture so that I think an important conversation can be had to bring consumerism into healthcare, to have the consumer understand how they are affecting the overall cost. I think we often focus simply on payers and providers, but we as as consumers in healthcare have a purpose in this too. So we need to be able to give providers, physicians, the ability to engage with their patients as well. We need to be able to stratify their patients. We need to be able to take data coming in from claims and identify what conditions might be coming based on the coding that is done by the various care providers so that they can identify someone who might be prediabetes who could benefit from an intervention, someone who could be looking to go into a hospital very soon through blood work or or any other testing, right? And then do a low-cost intervention here. And frankly, probably many low-cost interventions that really have this interesting dynamic, Dave, around providing more care, but at a much, much lower cost. Independent physicians and small groups lack the scale from a contracting standpoint, unfortunately, to make it interesting for a payer to contract with them. So that is a particular challenge. You know, as I talked about the sandbox example, 
unfortunately, independents typically are the ones who, who bear the brunt against large contracting entities such as a payer. Being able to code folks in a Medicare population, be able to manage performance, measure performance. I mean, these are all things that require significant investment that I just don't think a typical independent practitioner is going to be able to afford to bring to their practice. So they'll continue the status quo of operating in a fee-for-service, a transaction-based environment. You know, your sandbox example, I was, I was thinking it, they're the ones getting sand kicked in their faces by the, by the big, big payers and the big health systems. So, you know, independent physician groups can be feisty. They want to be part of the solution. There have been some market-based capabilities that have come into play more recently, and I'm speaking specifically about RSOs. So why don't you talk to us about the emergence of RSOs? First, tell us what they are, the role they're playing, how they're growing, and most importantly, how they give these physician groups the tools and capabilities they need to play in this value-based game without getting sand kicked in their face. A risk services organization, you know, this is a bit of a new phenomenon. And what it is, is essentially what I would categorize as middleware. These are entities that sit in between a payment mechanism, typically a payer on the one side, and a service provider, the physician, on the other. And what they do is they enable those two to connect, right? In this case, in a value-based care arrangement. So that risk services organization, they'll provide technology, they'll provide services, whether sometimes MSO services and other back office services. But importantly, they'll provide the contracting at scale that a independent physician group may not be able to achieve his or herself in the market based on the scale that that individual physician has. But essentially what they do is provide a suite of services to a physician, whether that be MS, typical MSO capabilities, back office, non-medical and nature services, but in addition, provide contracting for a independent physician such that independent physician doesn't need to go enter into 10 different risk-bearing contracts in their market. They can access those contracts through the RSO who's able to get attractive terms on those contracts because they're doing it not only with that single practice, but many practices. They're monitoring these populations. And as you mentioned earlier, I think physician groups are often best positioned to deliver the value on the front end, particularly in the form of preventive care or better chronic disease management, getting people early on to mental health clinics if they need that type of care. And we know that RSOs have been taking off, start with Allidade. They're an interesting company. Talk about them. So Allidade, Dave, is a really interesting company as you think about physician activity and acquisition, you know, Allidade is essentially the antithesis to that. They don't buy practices. They don't bill practices. They partner with practices here. And what does that mean, right? They help physician groups in the Medicare world as well in the commercial world really 
take advantage of value-based care contracting. So they're going to bring that to scale with the physician group. And what they do is they'll provide sort of a, you know, they term it a one-stop shop for an independent primary care practice. So they're gonna provide the technology platform, they're gonna provide sort of any of the coaching, any of the sort of medical support that they would need, as well as, and importantly, risk-based contracts at scale here, such that a physician is gonna be able to manage their population in a way that they can see how that population is being managed against a benchmark and be able to participate in the shared savings of that member. It's a private company. You believe their most recent valuation was just over $2 billion, but an incredibly fast-growing company. Beyond Allidade, who are some others similar to them that you like and are doing interesting things? I think Agilon Health is a really interesting business. This is a public company that went public after being owned by Clayton Dublin and Rice. Initially had been a business that was a Medicaid physician group in California, and they've since pivoted to, I would say, a pretty similar business model to Allidade, except that from a medical services revenue standpoint, those medical services are actually sort of direct PMPM payments from payers. So there's a payment that's made here, and then the cost of that care is then pushed through their contracting physicians here. What's interesting is you look at all these businesses, they kind of follow the same formula. They do it in different flavors. That's so interesting that you get different variations on a theme here, but what they do have in common is organizing the resources in ways that that do deliver value and can operate under a per-member-per-month capitation payment model, which many believe is ultimately the solution to truly aligning patient needs with the care the system delivers. Let's talk about what the payers are doing because there's no shortage of activity on that front either. There's lots of them that are exploring and tinkering with this. You know, certainly I don't need to discuss Optum and United here. They have um, they have their fingers in everything in healthcare. But you know, two that I would highlight for us today, Blue Shield of California, you know, is is an interesting business that they've started and actually partnered with Allidade to really support independent physicians in the California market. If you look at California and the tremendous consolidation that providers have had, I think Blue Shield thinks it's really important to continue to support those physicians who do want to remain independent, but maybe thought that was an inevitability that they would be acquired by a larger practice or a health system. What they do is they're providing the tools and services again, through Allidade to make sure that physicians, if they don't want to, you know, get acquired, that they can continue to remain independent. You know, the Altea strategy also does have an ownership model. They acquired and shameless plug, Kane Brothers did advise the physician group, Brown and Toland. So, you know, it's a bit of a hybrid model here between 
a partnership model as well as, you know, more of an ownership model. But it is more around the enabling of physician to stay independent in a highly consolidated market in California. Great. So we got the payers going toward value. We've got providers going toward value. Everybody's on the road to value with all these different iterations. And, you know, believing in markets as we do, the more companies tinkering around and experimenting, the higher the likelihood that we'll find formulas that work. But let's assume that we have some companies that really get the secret sauce right. How scalable are they in the current environment? Is that something you see as naturally happening or will it be a struggle? No, I think it's naturally happening, Dave. I think that's the most exciting part of this market. I think there's going to be room for several winners here because there's going to be different models. The continued movement of Medicare and CMMI to try different value-based models, to try different risk models. And I would say from a Medicaid standpoint, particularly in Medicaid managed care, you know, states are already having enough of a difficult time managing budgets. I believe they will be looking for ways to bring value-based care into their models. They'll likely do it through a payer, and they may put the onus on the payer themselves versus a physician. But even if that's the case, the payer is going to put it down to the physician, right? They're going to demand that they're providing good quality care. They're going to do utilization management here. I think this is a really fun time in healthcare as it relates to this. And I think, you know, we're going to continue to see it grow. Well, that's good. Well, I think the road to value is going from a two-lane highway to a four-lane highway to a multi-lane California freeway with five lanes on either side. And I think your point about Medicaid is right. Maybe the only way out of the Medicaid budget crunch we're in is actually figuring out how to deliver better care services more cost-effectively. And in many ways, by delivering less care, but doing it earlier with earlier diagnosis, better diagnosis, better interventions, and so on. So more power to all of us on that. Well, Mike, I can't let you go without getting you to make a big, bold prediction for either this year or beyond. I mean, you've been talking about some big subjects here, risk as it's playing out between payers, providers, and specifically how independent physician groups are staying in the game. So as you Crack open your crystal ball, look into the future. What's your big, bad, bold prediction for what's going to happen in the healthcare industry? I think you're going to see just a tremendous proliferation of these models. You know, healthcare, as I've always viewed it, has been a local business or at least a regional business. I think you're going to see, you know, these pockets of these organizations really start to challenge the status quo, whether that be the hospital system or the payer. I think that they're going to become a very formidable ally or enemy, depending on on how each market responds. Mike, I can't thank you enough. A really interesting discussion with lots of nuances. So thank you for taking us through it. I encourage our listeners to read our overall series and this article in particular, Positioning Physicians to Manage Care Risk. You heard how complicated it is. Make yourself smart. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep doing what you're doing to make our healthcare system kinder, smarter, and more accessible and affordable for all Americans. Thanks very much.